Oh, Margaret River is pretty, uh, pretty tricky wave. It's a big peak and it's kind of all over the place. But yeah, this is the walk down the stairs to go on the beach. Hey, what's up there, Surf Splendor Podcast listeners? This is your host, David Scales. Thanks for tuning in. You could hear that audio lead in right there. It was uh, day one of the Margaret River comp. It just started as I'm putting this episode uh, together and getting ready to post it. So psyched, got a full night of watching the comp ahead. But um, thank you for tuning in. You've always heard me say, uh, you know, give you guys ways as the listener to engage with the show. And um, one really practical way uh, that came to fruition was with last week's episode that I posted with Josh Martin and his father, Terry Martin, talking about their legacy with Hobie Surfboards. Um, that episode came to be just by a recommendation from a listener, Adam Neal, who I think he sent an email, it might have been, or a Facebook message or something, but basically just said, hey, you should really talk to Josh. He's got an interesting legacy. He builds really interesting boards, and I think he would be a great fit for your show. And um, Adam's in Northern California. Myself and Josh are in Southern California, so he's actually removed geographically, but um, I got a hold of Josh, and we put that episode together, all thanks to Adam. So... Thank you, Adam, for that, first of all. But secondly, just, you know, um, it's in your hands. You know, the crafting of this show is partially in the listener's hands. And that's the way I want it to be. And that's the way that the show has grown, is just by you guys sharing it. So continue to do that. The best way to do it is on social media, facebook.com forward slash surf splendor. Instagram and Twitter is just at surf splendor. And then the website is surfsplendorpodcast.com. And each show has its own page, and there's a comment section. So you can comment about the show or um, see all the media that we discuss in this show is included there. Video clips, photos, all that sort of thing. So thanks for tuning in to today's show. Um, Scott and I are presenting Surf News, and then we have a special guest sitting in with us, Sean Madison, former pro surfer and uh, current shaper. So he offers some interesting insight into some things, and he uh, does coaching with the ISA team, America team. So um, enjoy the show. I'll be back at the end to close us out. All right? Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Down on Surfside Radio. David and Scott with you here on April 1st. It is uh, April Fool's Day, and there's a lot of April Fool's hijinks out there in the world of surf. Uh, many of you woke up to the Kelly Slater news, and we'll get into that in a moment. But first, let me uh, introduce uh, the two gentlemen to my left. We have in studio as a guest today, Sean Madison. Famous Sean Madison from the Von Soul Surfboards label and Red Hot Surfer and former pro surfer at one former point. Former pro mm-hmm. surfer, right. yeah, yeah. Morning. And, uh, yeah. and well, um, Still morning here. It is. And uh, David Lee Scales. David, of course, my our co-host with SurfSplendorPodcast.com. David, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you guys. And um, David and Sean, I think we, we sort of are forced to kick the show off with the uh, 
Kelly Slater news. And David, why don't you kind of set it up for us? Late last night on Facebook, um, just scrolling through, and there was a notice, a press release essentially from the ASP. Kelly Slater himself actually broke the story first once I kind of backtracked it. And on Instagram? On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter simultaneously. Yeah. Basically announced that he would be splitting ways or parting ways from Quicksilver. And um, the ASP then was the first kind of outlet to release the piece, which I thought was uh, going to go one of two ways. Basically, if it is an April Fool's joke and they fell for it, that's going to look really bad on them. <laughs> The second thing is bravo to them if they actually caught this first and were the first to release it, or maybe they're partnered with Kelly and he wanted to release it through them. But either way, we're kind of always measuring what the ASP's uh, new, new motives are and professionalism and just the way of doing business. And so this is either going to prove to be kind of a good move on their part or a poor move on their part. But either way... Um, Let me just say this. Yeah. I think it's... It's... it's, um, it, it's um, what's the word I'm looking for? I would say that it's apparent that it's not an April Fool's joke. That this is legitimate. This is the truth. This is happening. It was released on March 31st out of North America. But Dave. it was the first over there. Right, but it was released from North America on March 31st. I saw it at 10 p.m. West Coast time, which is 1 p.m. East Coast time. Yeah. So that's the first on the East Coast. No, he, he means in Australia. In Australia? Cal, well, no, right. Yeah, no, but you're talking about North yeah, America. But yeah. even in North America, it was the first in some parts of North America. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So, so I, I think that all three of us would agree that this is this is happening. This is not an April Fool's joke. And um, that's at least the... I, w- I would have to say what classic timing. Because, you know, everybody's talking about it. Yeah. You know, and what a way to launch, whether it is a new brand, yeah. a new partnership, or, you know, to actually play the best April Fool's joke ever to come out on this day. I mean, I, you know, besides talking about Kelly, I did see some pretty interesting uh, April Fool's jokes on Facebook. Well, yeah. s- sticking with Kelly, <laughs> let me say this, and, and Sean and I talked a little bit about this, is that the timing is interesting, but the timing, in my opinion, and this is a full assumption, is based on, look, the event kicks off today at Margaret River. It's April 2nd. Um, this is the only event where there's not a sort of a classic soft goods surf company that's involved. Right. If he would have announced this at the Quicksilver Snapper, uh, Quicksilver Pro, that would have been sort of, you know, problematic. Not the best place to do it. Poor if he, taste. Yeah. Yeah. And if he acknowledges it at the Rip Curl event at Bell's, again, you're stepping sort of on Rip Curl's mojo there a little bit, and probably not the classy thing to do. And of course, Kelly Slater, a classy guy. This is the Drug Aware Pro. The perfect place for him to launch this. So the timing with April 1st, I think, has more to do with, look, we want to kick the Kelly Slater brand off or let the news be out there. This is a great event because there isn't a soft goods company that sort of owns the space. We can do this. Everyone will be talking about it. It just so happens that, oh, my gosh, it's right around April 1st. Let's launch this thing on March 31st to make sure that that's kind of out of the way. Let's date it March 31st and move forward. By the time this show airs that we're recording, it will be revealed whether or not this was a joke. Yeah. So it's all probably... Well, I, th- I think it, I think it's been revealed. I think Shop Eat Surf and um, ESPN, uh, their surf blogger or whoever, has um, 
has done a little bit of foot, footwork on this. And there's nothing in any of the press releases. A lot of time, April Fool's stuff, at the very end, there's something outrageous. Right. Where you're just like, okay, they're pulling our leg. They yeah. got me for a little bit, but right. But it was so sincere. And then you're not going to throw that caring group into a press release. Agreed. If this yeah. is, um, you know, a fake story. that you know, There's no way they're going to allow for that. Right. And what could the name be that will be his next brand? What yeah, well, that should be said, actually, that um, part of Kelly's announcement was that he's excited to announce that he's embarking on a new, a new journey. And for years, I've dreamt of developing a brand that combines my love of clean living, responsibility, and style. The inspiration for this brand comes from the people and cultures I encounter in my constant global travels. And this is my opportunity to build something that I've always wanted to. So Kelly announced essentially that he's starting a new brand and he's partnering with the Caring Group who owns sports brands Puma, Volcom, and Electric, the uh, sunglass company, and then luxury brands like Gucci, uh, Saint Laurent, uh, Alexander McQueen, Stella McCartney. Now, do they own these brands or are they just um, doing business with these brands? Are they a Mm -hmm. consulting firm? And these are some of the brands. I think that they're just a consulting firm. Oh, okay. Maybe they are. I don't think they own all of these different brands under one big umbrella. Okay, yeah, maybe they are. I could be wrong, but that's the vibe I got, that they're like, hey, we're a branding company, we're a marketing company, we will help you kind of yeah, yeah. massage your brand into the right atmosphere and niche or whatever, but I well, don't think they own all... And again, I could be wrong, but I, I got the feeling that this was just a marketing branding company. In relation to Sean's question of what is that new company, I have no idea. Is yeah. it a clothing company? Is it the Chia Pod Seed Company? You know, like, I have no clue. You know, before um, Kelly went to Hawaii, and uh, I think it was the end of November, beginning of December, um, I just hooked up with him um, there in San Clemente, and he was kind of talking and sharing some thoughts that he had about how he felt about, you know, his his perspective of production of goods and things like that, and so I think it's... Did that strike you as anything out of the ordinary, or were you just like, okay, I'm just rapping with... Well, you know what I mean? Did you sense, oh, wow, maybe there's, did, did that spark something in you? Like, uh, I, I or mean, was there just a normal conversation that you would have had with him regardless? He was just talking about some of his heart and how he was feeling, you know, in his place, um, you know, the changes with the ASP and how, he, you know, he is. And, you know, we, uh, we didn't get too into that, right. but, um, you know, I was kind of more... So you mean looking back on it now, yeah. you're starting to say, oh, maybe that conversation, maybe some of that stuff was percolating within in his, his brain, head, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. starting to make sense. Yeah. I got a question for you guys. Um, looking at Kelly and who he's become, you know, he's so much bigger than just an individual. He is kind of a brand in and of itself, and this titan of our sport. What does Quicksilver really have to offer Kelly? You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing they can do in terms of promoting his image, in terms of writing a paycheck for him, because really, he can develop his own brand that'll probably be more profitable just on an individual level than any paycheck they can give him on a weekly basis. What does Quicksilver offer to Kelly, and what would his incentive be to stay with them for a life? Well, he doesn't offer, Quicksilver doesn't offer anything. I mean, you answered your own question. The things that Quicksilver could offer is what Caring can now offer, except it's going to be under a different brand. It'll be under Kelly's brand. Mm -hmm. He'll get all the upside. Right. And all of that stuff, that back-end stuff that that Quicksilver would raise their hand and go, hey, Kelly, but we can do this for you. Well, Caring Group can do that for you. Right. That's what they do. So it almost seems like this has been a long, it's overdue almost. You know, he could have made this decision 10 years ago. You know, Quicksilver is... um, 
it's an old company. I mean, you know, I was at, I was in La Jolla a couple days ago and I saw these guys at the La Jolla Country Club. Old guys like me, 50 years old, there were golfers that are moneyed, wealthy, Southern California golfers. Like you'd see at the Newport Beach Country Club or you'd see at this La Jolla Country Club, not surfers. And they were wearing Quicksilver shorts in their golf outfits and billabong and nice, like high-end, like knitted shorts. They're not water. like, you know, cargo shorts. The Waterman's line. Something yeah. like that. But it was like a high-end stuff. And I noticed that, you know, there was a little billabong insignia on them and there was a little Quicksilver. And those companies are, are they're the stuff that we wear, you know. Guys my age, 50-year-old guys, wear yeah. that stuff. And the kids, you know, we all know, and we've had this conversation many times, they're wearing Ruka and they're wearing the latest, greatest Captain Finn or whatever it is. And they don't want to wear dad's clothes. And and so Kelly probably see, looks at Quicksilver and he's like, you know what, it's not really that hip. It's, it, you know, even though he's in that demo, I'm sure they want to make something that excites the, the youth, which is, of course, where the money is, and everyone knows that. I, I was going to say something. I, I think any brand that starts up, it's a group of people that have passion about that um, sport or whatever you know inspires them, and and often that birth of that company then turns into something that you know yeah. is its own life. Totally. And you know, and I, I and I think that Kelly is kind of to this point where you know if he can captain, you know, or rudder you know, this, this new project of his, then that gives him really a way to, you know, pour back into, you know, his, his passion and, mm -hmm. and direct where he wants to go with his vision. So I think that's pretty cool. I remember, it seems like he tried to implement that vision with Quicksilver with that brand VSTR. Do you remember that? It was about two years ago. Yeah, yeah. They launched a line called VSTR yeah. and it was meant to compete kind of with Patagonia, just yeah. like high end, um, travel wear not just surf wear but it was kelly's brainchild and um, well you bring up a great point because i think that's what set this whole thing in motion maybe like, they got new management new management cut everything and a smart move to to get the company profitable again they got mm -hmm. rid of all the loose ends businesses that aren't businesses including basically. vstr right yeah and, and dane's thing summer kid teeth. or summer teeth or whatever it was. yeah all that stuff got axed. I'm sure at that point, Kelly saw the writing on the wall. He's like, well, they're not, they're not taking what I'm interested in and moving forward with it for whatever reasons, good or bad. So now I need to talk to Terry Hardy, my manager, and let's start to examine other possibilities. And I'm sure that Terry behind the scenes or whoever his people are behind the scenes for the last couple of years have been massaging this whole thing. And obviously here we are today. Let me ask you this. What does this signal for Kelly Slater's competitive career? Great question. I think this is the most interesting thing about this, is what does it mean for the Margaret River event? How much pressure is on Kelly to come out and, and swing for the fences? And uh, it's gonna be fascinating to watch. I mean, we all know he competes under pressure incredibly. He's the 11 time, arguably the 12 time world champion. And, um, but, I, it, but it is fascinating to me because, especially if he has a, an, an early exit, and I mean early, yeah, like, yeah. you know, fourth round, fifth round, whatever it is, you know, like, if that, if we have an early exit for him, then it's like, okay, this is now turning into the Swang Song Tour. This is definitely his last year. This is, um, you know, like the, the uh, not A-Rod, but the Derek Jeter kind of tour for yeah. baseball. And that's what we'll have. Will we have that for Kelly? I don't know. But if he comes out and he finishes in the semis or better, and you can tell his teeth are into it, then, you know... Very fascinating. Sure. So, so I think this event is really, I feel like there's some pressure on Kelly. 
Maybe, maybe not. You know, I, I think it's, it's, it, he, he really operates in the moment. And if he's inspired, then he can do incredible things. I, I think that uh, he has a different way of processing pressure. Yes, he you know, does, and, sure. and he can actually thrive on attention because he's a showman. He really likes that part. So sometimes weird things like this, or even back in the day when, uh, you know, a few years ago when they, they did the New York event and, you know, they right. talked about the fifth fin versus everybody having three fins. You know, he thrived out off polarizing um, him from the rest of the pack. And, you know, yeah. this is one of the, these things. He's I think that he can handle the pressure in the moment in this event and he'll be able to go out and win heats. What I'm thinking is this project for him is no short-term thing. He's making long-term plans. He's mapping out his future. And I'm just wondering, is this a fork in the road where it's kind of like, okay, this is a retirement project for me, so to speak. And so I'm thinking about what is this signal for his competitive career a year from now, two years from now? Is this the groundwork for his exit strategy, you know? Well, I think it is. I think this is his last year. I'm sure he'll compete in as many events as people want. You know, he'll be able to pick and choose. I'll do the snapper event, and people yeah. would love to have him come in as a wild card, and, and that will happen. But I'm more than anything, I think this signal signifies that this is his last year. Until yeah, interesting. Look, he's I hope got not. A, he's still seeing. He's, he has a long term girlfriend. She's getting to that place where she, you know there's family. You know, the idea of of creating a family. All that stuff is playing into this. He's 42 or whatever number he is, and it, it, it all makes perfect sense. Yeah. That's a good segue into my new segment, Scott Bass, called uh -oh. Gossip uh -oh. Hour. A new segment. <laughs> it's gossip. not actually a full hour. Okay. Maybe I'll do Gossip Minute. All right, Gossip Minute. Keep it short. All right. um, I'm timing you. Okay, I actually have two topics for Gossip Minute, right. but that reminded me of a third, right. which is Kelly Slater is dating Kalani Miller. Kalani Miller's sister is Olima Miller, who is dating Taj Burrow for a period of time. Taj Burrow is in the new Red Bull 21 Days series. He's being featured. It's a three-part series with him and Josh Kerr. Yeah. Uh, and I notice Olima is not only absent, but Taj is on the arm of another broad. So I think Olima and Taj might have broken up. Gossip Minute. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> going to steer on that? clear of all that. I, okay. I just, I, I prefer that, um, I kind of look at it like, yeah. Okay. We'll just, I'm, I'm not in I got stuff that you might be interested yeah. in commenting on. Chloe Andino. Um, this is under the realm of kind of image protection or image promotion even. Yeah. Chloe Andino surfed Rencon during a good swell in the winter without stickers on his board. Word was he just was trying out some new boards, wanted to fly kind of under the radar. Um, a local filmer there filmed the session, edited it together, put it up online, Surfing Magazine then posted that video, and the comments immediately were like, I highly doubt Chloe Andino approved this video being put up. It was not within his kind of normal image. Uh, his surfing wasn't really up to snuff. He doesn't have Hurley stickers on his board. He had Red Bull and something else, Target I think, but it was written in with a marker, you know, it wasn't even a sticker. And so the comment section lit up and um, Surfing Magazine even chimed in on the comment section like, hey, we're going to put up whatever we want to put up. I heard through the grapevine, Dino Andino went into Surfing Magazine office and demanded that they take down the video. They stuck to their guns and they're like, look, we're just going to leave this thing up. You can't tell us what to do. Dino's stance was like, look, I'm looking, I'm trying to protect my son's image and the brand's imaging and all that kind of stuff. Thoughts on that? 
I, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, it doesn't surprise me that any of that stuff went down. Um, what does surprise me is, is, well, I guess it's not surprising, but Kolohe and Dino should have a better handle on... Um, you stickers. Can't, you can't surf at Rincon <laughs> on a board without your, your sponsor stickers During on During a pumping swell. Yeah, and not expect yeah. there to be... There's a, you, you, you walk by 17 guys with video cameras at Rincon. Totally. I mean, it's stupid how many guys are videoing. Yeah. And so, you know, I put all of this on, on Kolohe. This yeah, is not totally. Surfing Magazine's fault. This is, this is Kolohe, and, and Dino knows that. I'm sure Dino gave him a dressing down of some sort. And, um, but I think to walk into Surfing Magazine and demand that it be taken down, the damage has already been done, and now you've created, you've put more gas on the fire by totally. doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's, a, you know, so we have two kind of bad moves, one in Kolohe and one on D you know, Dino, if he would have just ignored it, it would have been gone away. You and I wouldn't be talking about it right now. Yeah. And there's not really two sides to the story. It is just kind of a gossipy, you know, thing. But the second one was that John John Florence, after he lost his heat at the Quicksilver Pro, I guess one of the photographers backstage took a photo of him, like, that he was really distraught and distressed. And they posted it on Instagram immediately. Within five minutes, John John's handlers went to the ASP, said, we demand that this photo gets taken down. The They then addressed the photographer. The photographer took it down. But What the, was the photo of? Him, him, like, distraught look on his face after he lost his What's seat. wrong with that? Like, I to me, this is overkill. Like, yeah. this is, you know, first of all, the ASP wants storylines like this. You know that they, and fans want this. I want to see him upset and distraught, and he better be. Yeah. You know, and what's wrong with the photo of a distraught? Yeah, totally. Look Absolutely. at Sports Illustrated. Right now, if you grab the latest issue of Sports Illustrated, there's going to be a picture of a bummed out athlete. Right. That's yeah. what happens. We're in competition. People are happy and people are sad. And to try to micromanage it like this is, is ridiculous. It's stupid. And it makes whoever his handlers are. Is it Hurley? The people, I don't know who it was, but... They didn't it's, say. It's, it's stupid. It's yeah. ridiculous. You know, like we're all adults here. And, you know, please, you right. know. Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. You're, you're rolling your eyes, Sean. You're going, well, two of us. <laughs> well, there's. it's interesting, though, that there is this new surf paparazzi popping up, you know, where it's like you can't really go surf a session on the California coast without having it filmed and put online. And, why, like, and, and what's and the big lot, deal? And a lot of them, actually, they hire them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they travel around with their own photographers sure. and But that's know, because they want to manage their image, though. Yeah. I think that's their yeah. effort there. So they feel... You know, a little bit, um, I don't know, like there's an in-between where somebody comes in and gets that footage first and puts it out. You, know, you can't really, it's hard to manage your image when you're an athlete, yeah. especially in the public sphere like surfers. It'd be one thing if you're on the football pitch or whatever. But, you know, who manages that, Who manages uh, images is like guys that are, are in rock and roll bands. They have managers that can manage because they they're, they put out music and then they manage that and then they go on stage and then they manage that. But in between, you don't see too much of them, you know, out and about and yeah. in the public sphere the way you do with, with surfers. So, you know, I would hate to be the guy that's, that's tasked with managing a surf athlete. That's a difficult one because you basically have to follow them to Roberto's and make sure they order the right food. Well, let me present a scenario for you and you can comment on it. You, Chloe Andino is the example of somebody who has been managed and has been kind of brought up in the Orange County surf industry scene. <clears throat> Nat, his contemporary, Nat Young, is kind of the opposite of that. Nat never had that shining light on him. They both ride for the same sponsor. Nat's doing 
exceedingly better on tour, yet probably makes a quarter of what Chloe and Dino makes in terms of rev uh, income. Mm -hmm. So that image... Demand that your contract be renegotiated. <laughs> but but they don't have it's a need to because it doesn't matter what results you're getting. Chloe's got way more uh, exposure than you do. No, I'm saying Nat could go in and renegotiate. No, because they don't care what results he's getting. Chloe has way more no, exposure. But, well, then, then leave. That's what I'm saying. You would, sure. you would leave and go to somewhere that's going to give you the exposure that you deserve because clearly Nat Young's a better surfer than... Chloe but but my point is that it doesn't matter if you're a better surfer or not, and you can go look in another company, but they don't care either. Who's getting the most exposure is what matters. So that brand management has dollar signs attached to it, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, and and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't in the future. But right now we're on the first generation of it. Dino and Dino and Parsons have this little project that we're seeing, and it's paid dividends for mm -hmm. them. Well, look. I'm, I'm sort of like a results guy, and maybe you're right. Maybe it doesn't matter. But I would argue, then, why are we even doing it? Like, why even have the events? Well, you, you know, I, I look at it like this. You know, since I coached with the U.S. team, and I, I've even been around the, the uh, Dino and his dad, or Dino and Kalohe, um, there's been such a change, even when we were kids, right, from what pro surfing and amateur surfing is sure. what it is today. And um, there really isn't a, a de definitive line between what is a professional and what is an amateur. Right. And it's very confusing. I mean, even as a coach, I kind of, you know, try to steer kids in a direction. But sometimes it's very unclear because the brands are the ones that really hold all the cards. And mm -hmm. it's all about marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, this is where the money really comes in. Who's really marketable and who's not? And sometimes it's not about results. It's really about you know, how well that person can influence the market. Oh, for sure. For I mean, sales. There's no doubt. You're, I mean, Dan Reynolds is a great example of that. Yeah. I'm just saying, why even have the events? Like, like basically what I'm saying is this is a problem for the ASP. Yeah. Well, you know, like why? Yeah. And you know, I know that like Rabbit Bartholomew, and I know there's PT is a big believer in this too. It's like, and Ian Cairns, you have got to go out there and win a world title. Otherwise, we don't give a crap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even guys that, or at least be on tour for a lengthy period of time and show that you care about the. At least you're trying to win a world title, because uh, that. Well, I guess it means something to me. Maybe it doesn't mean anything to the 15 year old kid that's that's looking up to Dane. Yeah. And so then maybe maybe surfing's not a sport. Well, that's a whole different debate that we've had before and we'll have again. I'm sure. I think I just slam dunked it right there. Surfing's not a sport. <laughs> <laughs> Name me another sport where, like, let's say basketball. There's a guy that's really great at free throws in his backyard, and he's selling Nikes like you wouldn't believe because he's so great he's at free throws. He's a soul thrower. He's a soul thrower. <laughs> Doesn't exist. Competition. They do those slam dunk competitions, though, right? Now, who's the guy? The guy who wins is usually an NBA player, though. Who? They're all. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't want to. What about the no, point is you don't know. No one knows because yeah, yeah. that guy doesn't exist. He doesn't exist at the level Harlem that Dane, Dane Reynolds exists. Harlem Globetrotters. Who, who are the, you're yeah. right. The Harlem they, Globetrotters, they but they're sell. a team they and they're interchangeable. Uh, okay. Like you don't know they any don't of their names Nikes either. Right. You know? I'm talking about yeah. selling Nikes and yeah. Adidas. None yeah. of these guys are doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Dane Reynolds is selling Quicksilver. Big time. Yeah. And anything else he puts his name on. Vans. And I know, let's, not to go back to Kelly, but... Um, I know that he has stock options in the company and vested interest in the company and all that, and that's part of his income. But in terms of actual salary, I've heard Dane and John John have much bigger contracts and they get bigger paychecks than Kelly does. 
you know, and so I wonder how much of that plays into his decision to leave Quicksilver too. I bet there's a lot. I bet that plays a little bit. Yeah. Into it, you know. There, everybody has an ego, and every and quite frankly, Kelly deserves a big chunk of what Dan and those guys are bringing in now. You know, yeah. Kelly is the foundation of I've, the last twenty years of that company. And yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm sure that played a bit of it. You know, I'm sure Terry Hardy's like going, dude. I can't believe they're not giving you as much as those guys. Let's go do our own thing, you know. And by the way, this company's a dinosaur. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Well, that's it for uh, for Just gossip hour. Sean. Sean won't <laughs> say anything. He's like, hmm. <laughs> that could be one of my clients. <laughs> that's it for gossip hour, I'll just hour, not guys. talk. <laughs> you guys are having a good time. Oh, man. Uh, for the record, Sean was nodding. I'm, like, I'm like holding the net. It's like, bam, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um. Shall I keep going, or do you have a topic you about out there? the Red Bull Cape Fear? This interests me greatly. Oh, I actually have a segment then that we should play. Good. You ready for it? Yes, the Red Bull Cape Fear. It's a contest. Nope. Are you going to let me Just listen? Just listen, and then we'll talk. Okay, we're going to listen. Located just 20 minutes from the center of Sydney lies one of the world's most unique and notorious surf breaks. Red Bull Cape Fear is the perfect name for it. It's a scary wave. It's the most exciting wave in the world. I've surfed it a hundred times. I'm still petrified every time I surf. It breaks in super shallow water, and then you've got a cliff face within 10 feet of, of the takeoff zone. And you're like, wait, that wave breaks on the rocks. So freaking gnarly looking. Definitely a scary break, that's for sure. You know, be life or death out there. For the first time ever, a one-day contest called Red Bull Cape Fear will be held at the break with some of the top big wave surfers from around the world. This event at Cape Fear is all about putting guys that you'd be dying to see compete and battle each other in one of the craziest waves on the planet. We're out there, we're doing it, we're putting our lives on the line. The format, one-on-one -on -one battles made up of paddling and towing. I think it's going to bring out some unbelievable moments. Everyone wants to see something that's dramatic. I think that man-on-man, -man, you know, fight card style setup is super exciting, especially as a surf fan. I would love to see the matchups. You know, I think it just brings a lot of excitement and a lot of drama to the event. No one's going to be holding back to gladiators. One of those people is coming out bloody, just like a fight. You've got to save yourself. The hand-picked surfers from around the world have begun their preparations and we'll be ready to battle when the contest is called. It doesn't really bother me who I verse out there. To tell you the truth, I'm dying to surf against one of the Hawaiian boys. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, my friend. I can't wait to get out there and put them to the test. It'd be really cool to surf against a Matthews or Bruce. They're going to be yelling blow for blow and putting it on the line. When the day calls, we'll be there and let the dice roll and let the games begin. Bring your A-game and your balls, because I'm bringing mine. Those guys are doing it all wrong. <laughs> May the best man win. Oh my god! Okay. Red wow, Bull they... Cape Fear. Uh, looks like a pretty fun thing to watch. Um... Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. 
Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I wrote down... um five reasons that I think this could be a great event. Okay. And they include wipeouts with blood and rocks. I have to see wipeouts with blood and rocks involved. Ridiculous slabs, that sort of falls into the same category, but we need to see the type of thing that we just saw. Yeah. Um, Shane Dorian needs to win. Shane Dorian even invited? Yes. Shane Dorian needs to win for it to be great. Twelve surfers are invited. One of them sees the waves and decides to not do it. That would make it great. That'd be amazing. And Kelly Slater is invited. He's not invited. I don't care. I'm telling you five things that would make it great. Gotcha. Now I have five reasons it could not be so great. Okay. The waves in the event don't live up to the promo video that we just saw, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. The webcast and the broadcast team just fails miserably. Um, There's no blood. There needs to be blood. Mm -hmm. They're basically saying, look, you know you're tuning in to see blood. It's like NASCAR. I need to see a wipeout. I need to see blood. Um, it'll be not so great if an Aussie wins and, <laughs> and it'll be not so great if they use toe and skis when they don't need to use toe and skis when it's paddling. You obviously did not read the rules to this event. <laughs> I, I just told you what would make it great and not so great. Okay. Rules be damned. Uh, there's four surfers in the waters at all time. Uh, it, don't read me the rule book. But it's man on man, <laughs> but it's man on man heats and okay. you get in your heat, you get 20 minutes of paddling and 20 minutes of toe surfing. So among the four surfers, they're going to rotate. Two of the guys that are in one heat are going to be paddling. The other two guys are going to be towing. So <laughs> that, could, that could be chaotic. For sure. That's where you the know. blood comes in. <laughs> oh, I guess the tow guys have priority. You know, I mean. They're a little faster. It's going to be yeah. interesting. Now, when does this happen? <laughs> uh, it just started. The waiting period started today. And I think it's a six-month. I think it's six-month period. I, I Who recently, are the guys? Who are the guys? Okay. Jamie O'Brien, Bruce Irons, Dean Morrison, Kobe Averton, Lori Towner, Shane Dorian, Ryan Hipwood, Mark Matthews, Makua Rothman, Dave Rastovich, Ian Walsh, Alex Gray, Jesse Pollock, and Richie Vakalik. Val- Val- which of those names sounds out and you, you scratch your head a little bit? Uh, Dave Rastovich. Yeah, Dave yeah. Rastovich. Not that yeah. he couldn't do it because I've seen it. He's an incredible surfer and he's easily as good or better than any of those guys. But that name sort of jumped out at me as like, that's not that crew. He's not in that crew. Maybe of... he is. And we don't know it. You know, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I look, I think we all know. 
I know Dave well enough to know that that's not his scene. His not his scene's not. You about... know Dave well enough. I just know. Did you hear that? It sounded like Scott just dropped a name or something. Anyway, I, my point is, is <laughs> there was a story about some mat you got from him. Wasn't yeah, there? exactly. Let's hear it, dude. Well, but but let's all stay right, on right, topic here. I'll compound about myself. You don't want to hear about me. I'm talking know, about I'm just Dave. Listening. Is um, you know that we all know he's on this like environmental crusade, you know, and um, it's just that's the one name when you hear all of those names, that one stuck out. Like, whoa, that's weird. Why they right. invite Ross? Maybe he'll do it on an Elia. Ooh, I like Maybe. it. Maybe. I don't know. But, um, and then regarding that list of guys, um, none of those guys are on the CT, right? So the waiting period won't... They don't have to worry about the ASP mm-hmm. telling them no. No, they don't. But um, now that I'm thinking about it, I researched it like a week ago, and I'm, I didn't write everything down, and I'm struggling to remember exactly the, the waiting period. Did you say Jamie period. Sterling? No. Jamie so there's O'Brien. no big wave event guys either because they there are it. though be, there are because I think it runs all the way through to the end of the year and they were concerned that it might conflict with like YMA as well. Or well, something I'm more like concerned that. with the ASP going. You, you, if you're an ASP athlete, you're not allowed to surf in an event. Oh, I see event. what you mean. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it looks like fun. And what's the prize money? Um, I don't know. So it's a man-on-man. It's basically like the NCAA double the tournament. Yeah. Right? The, there's going to be brackets, man-on-man, and you just break it down to the final four and then the final two guys. Correct. But they're actually picking the man-on-man based on who would match up best against each other. Who does that, I wonder? Just I whoever. Know. Yeah, I don't People know. People at Red Bull. Yeah. Crazy, though. That's going to be interesting. I'd love to see the matchups. Well, I wish they'd come out with that. We've talked about um, Red Bull in the past, and... What a great marketing campaign for them. Like, it doesn't matter who even wins this event now. They've already gotten their money out of it well, in terms like of marketing. It's like paddling, the Jaws Paddling event. Yeah. Red Bull Jaws Paddling. Yeah. They, they knew going in they weren't going to have that thing. They're just like, put out a promo video and get everyone excited. Or the, the Red Bull Flutog stuff that they do, those flying things. It's like, I don't know who's ever won those. All I know is I see a YouTube video with guys crashing, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. jumping, jumping from space. It's right, yeah, exactly. It's right that was the, the best one. Red Bull DNA, isn't it? This thing. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. So interesting, though, for sure. I like yeah, the concept. I'm excited about and it. And I like the the kind of boxing style matchups of picking two guys who best com- fit each other's style. Here's my question to you, yeah. along these same lines: Will we ever see this event happen, or is or did we just see it happen? Yeah, I don't know. Time is will it, tell. Is it over already? Time will tell. What's next? Um, I got three hot topics I'll throw out at you if you want to talk about them. Sure. Great. If not, no big deal. All right. Mike Stewart wins body surfing comp at Pipeline. I think that's that's not unexpected. He's a legendary bodyboarder and an incredible body surfer. And I think he's won that event. Before. I think he's won the body surfing before. I always wonder with guys like that um, who are iconic bodyboarder, like how do they make a living nowadays? You know, like, do they, did they earn enough money bodyboarding at some point or? I don't know. That's, I don't know how Mike Stewart makes a living. I think he might have had a bodyboarding company at one point, but yeah. uh, uh, regardless of, of how he makes an income, he's an incredible surfer, an underrated water person. You yeah. know, and this, you know, the, the last five years since stand-up kind of came along, that term waterman's really been thrown around a lot mm-hmm. and everybody's a waterman these days, right, right. you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I think that these guys that's, that body surf at pipe 
and do it for their pat because it's their passion. These guys are truly can handle themselves in any type of situation. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're thrown off the Titanic in 20 degree water, you know, this is who's going to survive, Mike Stewart. It's not going to be some guy in a stand up paddleboard. Side, side note. <laughs> You just re reminded me of something. Talking about uh, last episode, go leashless. Hashtag go oh, yeah, leashless. Oh, yeah, we're doing that. I've been going leashless a little bit on a single fin. And um, I've lost my board a few times. And the other day, it was kind of like I was surfing Huntington Beach, Golden West Street area where it breaks a little bit far out. And I lost my board dropping into a wave. So I was on the outside looking at shore. Waves are head high. And I was like, I might have just given up my will to live right now. I don't know if I can even swim. The, the 50 yards into the beach right now. And I was thinking about your buddy who came in and told us the story. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Johnny Kessel. Yeah. About him swimming two miles into shore. I was like, I would die. There's yeah. no way I would make it into Well, the there's beach. been breaks that have been notorious for that kind of mentality. The, the idea is once you lost your board, you're away. Yeah. You know, it gives totally. everybody else an opportunity to uh to get waves in the lineup and you know there's bumper stickers it'll say you know the leash ruined surfing yeah you know for that very reason everybody can get back out in the lineup and crowd the break well Sean, so, you don't know this but we're taking over international surfing day and you're a part of this yeah oh, we are joining the leashless on international surfing day is now international surf leashless day we've okay. taken it over hashtag go leashless yeah i expect to see it on many of your instagrams of which join the movement you're, man you're so isn't that it's not going to be scary with you on your sup with, it's yeah. scary that's the beauty <laughs> of it it's scary it's everything's scary about you're gonna it. take scary. I mean, surfing you're... is scary <laughs> surfing is not you know this you... isn't badminton oh. or lawn bowling All right. this is surfing where there's water sharks stingrays belly fit you know boards uh you know all sorts of an innumerable survive bro yes survive go leashless just just even on that sort of esoteric level of of, wouldn't it be neat if all the surfers in the world one day of the year just decide to give it a try and see what it's about? I'm on board. The way man. that the Duke did it. Totally. I'm go on board. leashless. Hashtag go leashless. Hashtag surf like the Duke. Is there Duke. any kind of liability with that? I could care less. <laughs> you could or you couldn't? I could just not. There's none fall. less that I could care. Don't fall. Nice correction. Fall, swim. It's a beautiful thing. Swimming in for your board gives you time to reflect. Yeah, yeah. Makes you a better surfer. I've had to swim a few times and I don't mind it. It's like, good. Sorry, bro. Yeah. A little bump on your head, yeah, yeah. but... Uh, but no, seriously, thinking about your buddy Johnny Kessel, I was like, there's no way I would survive this, dude. Two miles out to sea with wind and all that, with a lot of swell, no chance. So. Good stuff. Yeah. I'm um, glad you swam. Tom Curran wins the Clash of the Titans at the Ron John Beach and Board Fest in Cocoa Beach, Florida in one-foot waves. <laughs> wow. Who <Next>. cares? <laughs> yeah. GoPro plans for their IPO. I'd invest in that. Yeah, that's sort of interesting. Safe bet. They're sort of like Red Bull in that, mm -hmm. you know, these two massive companies with huge amounts of marketing dollars well, that make products where the margins are like 100, that's like 99% profit margin on these products. And for them, not really a marketing camp, a budget. They just virally market. People market for them. People go out, buy the camera, shoot footage of it, put it online. That's their marketing. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's brilliant. Actually. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's like a phone. I mean, anybody yeah. that can own something for themselves. Totally. Um, so we got Margaret River. We got Hobie. We got... Let's talk about Hobie Alter. Yeah, let's and do what, it. Before we do that, let's say that we are broadcasting from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, the executive library, library slash conference room. And uh, we're very thankful that the people at Shack allow us to use this facility. 
to produce our podcast down the line, Surf Talk Radio and Surf Splendor Podcast. So the people at Shack Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, they're right here and we are right here in San Clemente. And uh, we urge listeners, if you're in Southern California, do yourself a favor, stop by the shack. Sean, you just walked the boardroom. It's amazing in there. Incredible. The, I don't know, there must be probably 300 or 400 surfboards back there that are just... And they have more upstairs stashed away. I mean, right. it's it's an incredible collection of really, you know, I, it, you know, you, you show up and you just, it, it's it's overwhelming, you know, and you can really see the timeline of where surfing's been mm-hmm. and where it's heading. You know, I think that's, it, the preservation of this... Mm-hmm is incredible everything from like ancient surfboards or wave riding equipment to kelly slater's board that he's won world titles on yeah and everything boards with a nubster on it there's probably a board with a nubster back there yeah and it's not mine it's probably kelly's uh anyway shack a great place and they are putting on the endless summer uh, celebration celebrating 50th the 50th anniversary of the endless summer movie bruce brown's classic that's may 3rd so about three weeks away or something like that or maybe no, five weeks away, May 3rd in Huntington Beach. So if you want to be involved in that, um, surfingheritage.org for tickets to the 50th anniversary, Endless Summer. And now on to the sad passing of Hobie Alter, who passed away at the age of, I want to say he was 80 years old? Yep. Yeah, he was right? 80. Mm-hmm. 80 years old. Um, Hobie Alter, real quick, you know, um, some of the things that, that, that Hobie brought to the marketplace of course, the Hobie Cat sailboard. Hobie's in the Sailing Hall of Fame, as he should be. So the Hobie Cat, uh, the foam surfboard was his. Um, he did a really incredible line or run of uh, Hobie skateboards in the 50s. Um, the Hobie Hawk remote-controlled glider. Many people don't know that he did that, and that was one of his passions. And the Float Cat, which was a fly fishing float. And those are, that's just five of the things that Hobie innovated, but this guy was on the cutting edge of design. And um, he really, you know, there's a bunch of great, uh, not articles, but what is it when somebody passes? They write obituaries, right? There's a bunch of great obituaries out there. And I would urge you not to listen to me on this matter, but to go online and read about Hobie Alter. There's a bunch of great stuff out there. and, And that's where you'll find the most information. And I just know that I can speak for David and Sean when I say that we're sad, but that Hobie lived a full life and our wishes are with the Hobie family, uh, Hobie Jr. and Jeff and and the rest of the altars. Yeah. And um, the last episode we did, you forced me to take control of the show for five minutes while you excused yourself. Yes. And I used that five minutes to talk about Hobie. Coincidentally, I didn't know that he was not well, but um, about his new book that was recently released, which is Hobie, Master of uh, Waves, Wind, and Water, which is kind of the definitive biography and does interviews with Hobie himself. So he's partially telling his own story, but then Gordon Clark and all the other shapers that he was involved with. So that is what I mean, that is well worth the price of admission for any surf fan, you know. Arguably the most influential individual in modern surfboards, you know. Mm-hmm. So. You will be missed. How about the Margaret River event? Starts this today, right? It's going to start this afternoon as soon as we're done here, I think. Well, the waiting period does. Yeah, but I think it's going to go. I was okay. looking at Magic Seaweed. It says it's going to be four to six feet today. Um, it may back down for a couple of days, and then it's going to really be on 
Friday, their Friday in Australia, our Thursday here. Um, that would be right around April 3rd and 4th. And uh, yeah. One of my most exciting things about this event is the backup venues. It's really cool. I mean, Margaret River itself, to me, isn't the most exciting wave to watch. The box. Yeah, but they've got the box as the backup venue. And then another spot, too, that I can't remember right now. But um, I'm almost hoping it goes to the backup spots, you know? Yeah. How incredible would it be to see the event at the box? And yeah, I don't know. Nathan be... Hedge won the, uh, he did. the trials, correct? He did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Nathan Hedge. Not Now, would you put Nathan Hedge on your fantasy team? No. He's got to surf against, I think it's Kelly and somebody else. Or no, maybe he has to surf against Mick. Yeah. But, you know, Margaret being such a unique wave, people that can ride wonky, big mm -hmm. water-moving breaks tend to stand out. You know, you look at B. Durbich yep. and, you know, surfers like that. Um, Kelly's not one of those guys, by the way. However, he, the last time he surfed it, he surfed really well. He did, yeah. for sure. But that's one... One instance, you know, but I agree with you. That was a standout performance for sure. I think when you talk about wonky waves, and, and this is a great topic, I look at the bottom tier of guys on tour. We know that Mick and Kelly and John John and Gabriel, all these guys are going to be able to handle it and they surf great and yeah. anything. But you look at the bottom tier guys as you're picking your fantasy teams, you think to yourself, okay, you know, Tiago Perez, is he the guy that can surf he, good at like a Sunset Beach type venue or a big open ocean moving wave? He's out with injury, by the way. Well, whoever, you know, yeah, so no, whoever I I these don't. guys are, that's where you really need to make your decisions. Yeah. You know, are these guys, you know, Brazilian aerialist specialists or are these guys like Nathan Hedge, who right. has been, it's proven, he proved it himself, that this is a guy that can handle Margaret River? Well, in my take, <clears throat> environment dictates a lot you know and who, who can adapt to the environment those yeah. guys that have been on tour have gone to those locations multiple times and they've figured out their equipment they figured out their lineups they figure out how to to adapt to that to that wave and you know people that are just coming um on tour that uh, maybe they really know beach breaks really well but they have a hard time with free break free breaks, Bay, Toledo. you know you, you're going to find that they're going to have unless they have tutorage right. you know somebody showing them you know the ropes for that break right. that they're, they're really going to have a hard time to adapt i mean just like kolohe i'm thinking kolohe might have a hard time to adapt what are your thoughts on kolohe i agree i i think so uh, as well you know um experience always you know is a standout for any of these new surfers you know and, and i i think back like last year to andriano de souza right he went to bell's way before everybody else, mm -hmm. but he surfed it really well and he had it dialed, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why I stood out last year, you know, and I, and I think that the, the time invested, you know, uh, for many of these surfers, it's going to pay dividends knowing the lineup. I mean, more so, more so there than anywhere else, really. Yeah. Courtney Conalogue's won twice, yeah. you know, and she likes powerful waves. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you look at somebody like that and go, well, I, I can put my, you know, my odds on her to mm -hmm. do really well because she's comfortable at the break, confidence. So my only caveat to this, or what could be kind of the wrench in it, is Josh Kerr doing massive airs on the rights into the win, which he did to beat uh, Taj in a final there two years ago. One big alley-oop and one big air rev on one wave, and they gave him a 10. And uh, I think 
that could happen. That could this could be the turning point for Margaret, where it becomes something more than just a power wave. You know, I I think John John is going to do really well. He's won I, it there. Yeah, you know, I I you know he's so uh, versatile. Yes, you know, and when you have talent like that that can handle the bigger stuff, mm -hmm. and I and I think that's in my own personal mind between you know John John coming on the tour and uh, Kolohe coming on the tour. Um, those two. Um, in, in, in some aspects were, you know, kind of neck and yeah. neck, but really what stood out was being able to handle heavy water and to be versatile, Yeah. you know, and, and, you know, looking at, uh, Gabrielle Medina coming up, you know, from his last win mm -hmm. and then moving to, you know, he's got a confidence and he's already passionate and he's in, he's been able to kind of tune down his tricks and up his game of power surfing. And totally. so, um, you know, I, I think that he's probably going to do pretty well as long as it's not kind of, you know, heavy water, yeah. if you will. Who's your long shot for the, for the event? Hmm. I don't know if I have a long shot. I haven't given it much thought, you know. Taking into consideration what Sean was just saying, I'm going to go Seabass. Seabass has, has the aerial game, but he's from Hawaii, and he's done well at Sunset and Haleiwa, and he could he could exceed without the air game, but if those sections present itself, I think Seabass could, this could be an event for him. Well, and, and, and he needs um, some sort of um, motivation. I mean, last year, he had some incredible heats in Tahiti, yeah. I mean, uh, Fiji, yeah, yeah. and, um, you know, he was just kind of like right in there but it seems as if he really hasn't had that 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 moment yeah. you know for for confidence and and um you know and I, and I think that's really where you're going to find the real breakthroughs is you know if the conditions that that, that that's going to dictate it you right. know who's going to feel it and who's going to you know really um get inspired in totally. those conditions who do you guys want to win the event kelly slater okay sean um, I'm always a huge Kelly fan, but I, I, I'd really like to see John John win it. Nice. You know? Nice. No, uh, oh, it's so much better if Kelly wins. You know what that'll do to the tour? Well, let's... Because he's like Tiger. If Tiger wins an event, all the golfers are like, oh, no, he's back. Mm -hmm. I just want that. I want all those guys to go, oh, God. Well, not that Kelly ever left, but I want I want all those guys to go, especially like the Gabe Medina, who, who's leading the ratings, obviously. I want these guys to go, oh, man, he, you know. He just announced his new gig, and maybe we thought this was the end of the road, and Kelly just wins it. And not yeah. only wins it, but wins it with authority. Just stamps his, I'm not leaving until I get 12. That'll be good for the tour, good for excitement, good for the fans. It'll be good for all of us. I think yeah. he needs to be, Kelly needs to be in the final with John John. I, I think, you know, really pull all of those top surfers, Mick, Joel, everybody really into a compressed race. So you race. want Kelly to lose to John John? Go ahead yeah, and say in this in this event, yeah, payback and I, and I hope he's paying attention to it right now. I'm glad you manned up because I know Kelly's your buddy. Yeah, <laughs> payback for he's the pipe, hear about pipe final too. <laughs> yeah, like I, I like tight races. Yeah, I, you know, like that last that last event in Australia. You know, um, having Joel and uh, Gabrielle going head to head. I mean, you fun. always like seeing a comeback. Yeah, you know, and then you you like you know being on the fence of like. Who won that that mm -hmm. heat? I mean, just like the rip curl uh, at, at Bells. Like, personally, I, I thought Kelly won. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like Mick won. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to the judges. The way know? the judging criteria was at that time, too, favored Mick. Yeah, yeah. but, I mean, 
Let, let's say it. I mean, that Surfing that sport. that air <laughs> that air reverse he did into oh, the yeah. flats is the heaviest ever. Well, that was right. I mean, that was just anybody that would do it in a final, let alone just attempt to do it, would with just their go, back against the wall with all the other because yeah. that should have gotten a twelve. Yeah, no, you're not right. a ten. Uh, I I got a quick little segment which relates to this. Uh, it's called worthwhile quotes from Internet Land. Nice. Yeah. I appreciate that you're coming up with these different segments for the show. Yeah, too well, much time on your hands. Good. No, this is <laughs> you're good. You're single? This is no, Mary, but this is, my, this is my life, Sean. Okay. It's all it. surfing all the time. Yeah. Uh, no, but worthwhile quotes from internet land, because just as you're per, you know, pers- uh, perusing the web throughout the week, mm-hmm. you read the comment sections, there's some hilarious ones sometimes. Um, I'm going to give you the first, which is, a quote directly from Nick Carroll in his power rankings mm-hmm. on Surfline after the, the first event of the year. It was about Felipe Toledo. And it says, Distracted out of a second round heat where his skills were barely employed, his dad won't take this tip, but here it is. From one coach to another. The true art of coaching is empowerment, not control. You want to help the athlete learn how to be effective while alone in the heat of competition, not to be reliant on your presence to the point where he or she can't compete on what's happening. Filippo is better than this result. I hope he has the opportunity to show it. Sounds like something that Kolohe and Dino Dino should take into consideration. Yeah, Yeah. Sean, you you do coaching, right? Yeah, that's an absolute, you know, you're trying to empower people to make decisions. Yeah. You know, and uh, except for, you know, when we coach with the U.S. team, um, you're really trying to, you know, be there way more of an intensive. But I like to do um, coaching before an event. I don't like coaching at events. Right, right. And uh, I, I feel like you kind of put people through scenarios, not dependency, you know, where they're looking at the beach. They're, they're focused on what they need to do and, you know, decide if they're offense or defense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, when I was watching that heat, I don't know if you guys saw it. It was Felipe versus, um, I think it was Mitch Cruz in round two. But it was like his dad was up to his knees in the water shouting. And he yeah. has that whistle that we've heard at Trestles before where he's whistling from the tower to Felipe, who's in the lineup, that a set's either coming or not coming. And, I mean, we all know as surfers that uh, there's so many more variables in the lineup than that person from shore can see, you know, and they're only going to distract you if anything there'll be a time there'll be a time where he's going to own his career and it's going to it's coming you know and and every uh individual on the tour does that they become right you know grown up and uh you know whether it's equipment or you know everybody everybody's advice or counsel but at the end of the day they're going to own who they want to become yeah and that's what he's got to do yeah I would like to see Philippe Toledo's dad continue on this path. I think it's amazing to watch sort of the, the coach-father-son relationship mm-hmm. um, come to a tumult. Yeah. And um, I, don't, I, I wish only the best for Philippe later in his career, but I wouldn't mind a couple more events where we see um, meltdown. Yeah. It's good for the ASP. It's good storyline. Yeah. And, um, and we need to see that. Yeah, you know, like, I want to see storylines. There's more to it than some judge that decided that he got a seven point three. Yeah, and uh, they, these things need to be excavated and developed. Well, dr- drama's epic. I yeah, think yes. it's, it's 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 great for enter- for entertainment. You know, but you know, it it, it really is um, at the end of the day, 
who they want to become. You know, what, what are they going to do? Totally. I got one more quote. I want to see the father-son fisticuffs right there, like, oh, throw down. Is that what you do at the baseball game? <laughs> no. What if I just it think was... it's, it's fascinating from a fan's perspective. <laughs> what if it went Gabe Medina versus Felipe Toledo in a final, and the dads are both standing to their knees in water, and they get into You want ratings? You got ratings. Those guys would brawl. Now we got some ratings. Yeah. Um, okay, sec- second comment. Jordy Smith posted a video. and uh, stat Right? Huh? Huh? Jordy who? Yeah. Who's uh, Jordy Smith again? Seriously. Yeah, let's see Jordy win, Margaret. <laughs> That's, I would love it. Well, this quote is in that vein. Jordy Smith video on Stab, the commenter who goes by the name Cutties and Floaters. <laughs> quote. Just some hater. Don't listen to him, Jordy. It's well, a hater on the Stab internet. is the best, dude. In terms of In terms hater, of hate. Hater, like hater sophomore comments. Sophomore hate. Like 20-year-old um, hate. Quote, Jordy exhibits the elusive genius that training Hurley meal Instagrams and ex second tier professional surfers as coaches cannot create his maiden world tour championship will be a victory against bland. That is if the ASP ever pens a judging criteria worthy or invests in the surgery required to remove the judges from the coolie kids dicks at some point. End quote. That was a little vulgar. Well, it's stab, but it's true. I agree with him. We don't have to lower ourselves to, stabs vulgarity i think we do Scott. Right, fair enough. Um, but i think that he presents a really good point in that jordy does possess this elusive creativity that we enjoy in dane and that we enjoy in kelly but he doesn't always figure out how to employ that under the judging criteria or under the uh i don't know pressure of a contest and i think that's the point of what the comment's getting at yeah no i and, and you and i've talked about this before um jordy's not hungry enough He's, he's had too much too soon, and he's got it all, and what's the big deal? What's a world championship? Yeah. It's just, really, it's, I mean, he's got millions of dollars, a beautiful wife, he's set for life. There's no hunger there. Scott you know Hunger? I, Matt Young, hunger. Scott and I differ on Jordy Smith. I love Jordy. I, I'm a fan. What are your, what are your thoughts? I'm a fan. I don't have anything against um, him personally. I'm just saying that that he's uninspiring competitively. Yeah, he, he doesn't thrive um, as a champion. He's uh, super gifted, and I think that uh, you know a lot of there's a lot of fans that uh, love the way he serves. And I think at times, um, maybe from a judge's perspective, he might be too smooth. I mean, that's what happened with uh, Joel Park, you know, Parkinson. You know, they, they needed to you know change up uh, and and make it look more raw. And mm-hmm. and I think that you know you, you contrast that with Kelly. He's a showman. Mm-hmm. He's all about entertainment. And, and whether it's in flair of his maneuvers, uh, being able to thrive off of, you know, uh, you know, competition, you know, Jordy doesn't have that sort of flair and, and aggression that, that, you know, a judge is an emotional person. And, you know, when you look like you're over it, they're over it. Yeah. You know, and, and you have to play the hearts and the passions of these people watching you because they're... They're going to put a, a numeric score to what they've just seen. Totally. Surfing's not a sport. <laughs> well, the fact no, that... What, the, are we, we're not subjectively judging this yeah, by but, people that aren't as good as the other ones. You know, is ice skating a sport? No. Okay. It is not. Definitely a sport not. has to have... You have to score your own points. You have to have a defender trying to stop you from scoring your own points. You can't wear slacks. And you shouldn't be able to smoke cigarettes while you're doing it. Therein defines a sport. Surfing... 
By whose whose definition is this? Just yeah, you know, most smart people. Most smart people named Scott Bass who don't go left. <laughs> I go left. It has to be very good in warm water. You or a really good one. Should cold. I pull up the quote saying I don't go left? Uh, no, multiple times. I, multiple I don't. Times. I don't go left unless it's a good one. All right, Zoolander. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went left the other day. Did you? Must it, have been a good one. It was. Yeah. <laughs> Relative to the conditions. All right. What's next? Um, how about San Diego Surf Film Festival? Okay. Which is taking place in May um, the 7th through the 10th. And it's taking place at Bird Surf Shed. My friend Pierce Cavanaugh and his wife Petra and some others put this event on. I want to say this is the third or fourth or maybe fifth year of the San Diego Surf Film Festival. And you'll see some of the best independent films. Or no, let me rephrase that. The best independent mm. surf films in the world. And if you want to get a flavor of surf culture without the taint of uh, mainstream uh, marketing companies having a lot of money and, and throwing that at it, um, you're going to get real passion here. So the San Diego Surf Film Festival, May 7th through the 10th, just to go to Bird Surf Shed in and of itself yeah, totally. is worth the trip. Um, but uh, to see these great movies, short films and long films, uh, it's going to be fun. I'm looking they, forward to it. Do they just do like one long viewing and you watch multiple films back to back? Uh, I'm or? not sure how they do it. I think they sell tickets in, in blocks. Like you can buy the number one block and see. I'm not really sure. I would suggest you go to their uh, website to find okay. out more. San Diego Surf Film Festival. If you just Google that, you'll find out all the information. But again, it runs seven, eight, nine, ten. So we're looking at three nights of surf films. Yeah. You know? And then the judging, the awards goes down and... Uh, I don't really know too much about it other than uh, I'm a big fan because you'll see a lot of really cool stuff from filmmakers you've never heard of, from guys from Scotland and Ireland and some guy from Russia will make a film. And there was a film from Finland about, uh, I forget the guy's name, but you know this guy and you've probably heard of him too. He's from Puerto Escondido, a really great surfer from Puerto Escondido whose mom happens to be Finnish. So he went to Finland. Oh yeah. He's a local Puerto Escondido. I remember that dude. Yeah. And I, his name skips me, but... Uh, Carlos Caba, it's like two C's, you know, like not Caballero. No, no, but it's like something. See, anyway, his name has two C's in it, and um, but he's a blonde-looking guy, but he's a Mexican local. His dad's Mexican, but his mm -hmm. mom's Finnish, thus the blonde hair. He went to Finland to go to school. He was going to get free ed education in Finland, and this movie looked at this guy who went from Puerto Escondido, like the heart of getting barreled off your nut in warm water, yeah, to so Finland. In, and to go to school. And so th I love the contrast that yeah. I'm getting here. And these are the types of films that you'll see here at the same Very show. cool. I remember Why seeing... Why do you laugh? What's so funny? Oh, his comment me. about the cool and gata thing. And then you said barreled off your nuts. I was just trying to <laughs> get your trip. Uh, I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> or they can get that web that information on our websites too, right? Yeah. Downthelineradio.com. Surfsplendorpodcast.com. Yep. Cool. Um, do you want to bash the ASP for free work or I'll let you I don't want to bash them they're just such an easy target I don't feel like bashing anybody I want them I want only the best for the ASP okay so do I even if they are if it, it, offering it, work for free if it improves our viewing experience I want the best for them but, as well um, what about um, do you want to talk to Sean a little bit about his endeavors yeah so Sean uh, Von Sol surfboards. Von Sol surfboards. I'm a big, like, I, I consumed a lot of media growing up surfing, like mm -hmm. every magazine, every surf video and all that. 
Um, so I definitely remember your name. And then when I went on your website, saw your cover shot mm -hmm. and that I remember specifically mm -hmm. surfer magazine, right? Yeah. What's the month and year? Uh, come on. June 93. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, <laughs> you know, back hey, cover shot. look, you know, you, what what what's a childhood dream? It's if, if you're a surfer, it's to be on surfer, right? Without a doubt. And and that's one of those dreams that came true. You know, I almost preferred the inside shot, the barrel shot. At, yeah. Was it Mal Baja Malibu? Malibu. Yeah. yeah. It was such a rad. Uh, I, I couldn't tell like if Rob Keith just took the photo like right at the right moment that you were leaning in to kick out the back of the wave, mm -hmm. or if you were gonna slink into that because the it was like an almondy shaped barrel yeah. with a real small kind of you'd have to tuck in, but at a weird angle. Yeah. But the way that your body's positioned, it's perfect. You know, yeah. it was a rad shot. So you know, um, I think I think uh, opportunities present themselves, and sometimes you don't even know it's gonna happen. Yeah. You know, and um, you know. Rob Keith, I, you know, you try to get together with a photographer like that and be part of his posse, but um, he said, hey, let's go down to Mexico, you know, we're going to, you know, do a California issue. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, whatever. We get down there and it's super cloudy, you know, the wind's kind of on it and it's kind of wonky and he's like, we're out of here. And I'm thinking, dude, I'm down here with Rob Keith, let's, come on Rob, let's do it, you know. So anyway, I badgered him and he said, well, uh, you know, just paddle out, I'll, I'll meet you out there. I paddle out, and the wind, this gust of wind, just it turns offshore. Clouds move away, and it was just me and him by, at, at the power plant in Rosarito. Yeah. And um, you know that that wave I got to cover. I just took off, did a bottom turn, did a layback snap in his in his face, and I thought that maybe I hit him, but I never imagined that I'd ever get a cover. It was just, you know. Yeah. And uh, a couple months later, Jeff Devine gives me a, a call. Actually, Surfer called and said Jeff wanted to meet up with me, and I'm just, I'm kind of like, for what? You know what? What? A, you know? Yeah. It, I was stunned. So anyway, I, I show up to uh, to Surfer, walk up the stairs, and you know, here's Devine with you know a cover, and I, you know, it, it's just one of those moments. You like, I could have just as well packed it up and said, we're out of here. Let's get through the border. Let's get out of here. Totally. But you know, when you have that opportunity, being able to say, you know, I'm, no matter what the opportunity, I'm going to maximize this mm -hmm. chance. You know, a staff photographer with surfer, you know, your likelihood that you're going to get a shot is better. <laughs> right. For sure. Yeah. No, I've I've done filming and stuff with pro surfers and working with Groms. Always try to remind them of how important hard work is and it doesn't seem like it's hard work because we're going somewhere tropical and cool and the waves are good but the moments come out of the hard work where mm -hmm. you just as easily could have went away or you've already been surfing for two hours and it's lunchtime but the wind does shift and the tide gets perfect and it's like hey guys buckle down we're putting in another hour right now with the sun beating down and everything, you know, and that's when you get those magic moments. Yeah. So I think that is, that's a great story. How did you go from that to board building? Well, you know, I, I think when you've, I, I started surfing in 74, you know, so you kind of just evolve with it and you just, you, you, you become passionate, you know, and I, I simply put, I got into uh, the surfboard business just because I'm a surfboard junkie mm. and, and I, I, I love design and, uh, you know, a lot of people have shared incredible things with me and understanding of, of boards and, um, you know, make it easy. I, I just, um, I just love surfboards and it's really, really fun. Who were you getting boards from back in the cover shot days? Uh, Michael Barron did that one. Okay. You know, um, so did you like learn 
the craft from those guys that you were working with? Or? No, actually, the first board um, I shaped uh, was with Brian Fredrickson. Okay. And um, he uh, out at Moonlight in a, in a shaping room, and you know, and, and uh, other opportunities uh, presented themselves when I was um, uh, working at Surfride because mm-hmm. I ran the retail for- store. You know, I got in, involved in a uh, in a business basically with Mike Henson, and um, you know, with Mike Henson, you know, like any of these people, you know, they they it's it's just like teachers, you know, in, in school. There's so many people that give you bits and nuggets of information mm-hmm. and you learn so many different things that you, you finally decide what do I want to do with this information you know you, you learn really neat things you know like Henson's been uh, famous for his down rail you know you ride a down rail on a, on a fish and it's an incredible feeling you know it's so different than you know a lot of uh, fishes on the market so you know design concepts and you know um, perspectives I mean that's really what it's about, and then you say, you know, I want to do my own thing. Right. You know, take my own, you know, cut at this. You know. Right. Yeah. So what do you what do you mainly do, or what are your design interests right now, and what are you known for in terms of board building? Um, my passion has been really um, focused on you know doing a lot with epoxy style oh. boards. Okay. Um, uh, just because I'm, you know, personally, I love the way that they feel, and I and I've really kind of like you know, identified who my audience is with boards, you know, and, and I, I remember when I started getting into surfboard collecting, I mean, there's actually a number of boards out here on display that, you know, when I was into the whole collect, collecting junkiness, um, you know, I acquired a number of those boards that sure. ended up here. And, uh, but I remember going back and riding certain boards and uh, like old fishes, like vintage fishes, and, you know, having that contrast perspective of a high performance board it was fun, mm-hmm. you know, and what surface area does to generate a lot of speed. And, you know, for a lot of people, they've been kind of, you know, shepherd in a direction that they can't ride. Right. They just can't simply ride it. So, you know, understanding fins and that, that whole harmony between materials, outlines, designs, you know, kind of like what Scotty Cameron's done, where he's really targeted, you know, a putter, mm-hmm. right? And he's made really great putters. Me, I'm, I'm kind of like, I want an alternative performance board. And, you know, whether people are into the designs that, you know, I'm doing or not, you know, it's really all about passion and fun. What you think, what, what do you think is good surfing? Yeah. And you'll find that every designer in the, in the business, unless they're copying somebody or following somebody, they, they define what they think is good surfing in, in, in their boards. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So what, what board are you writing right now? Um, uh, I'm, I'm like Scott, I got probably 40, did, 40 boards or plus in the, in the garage. And this last session, what did you write? Uh, I, I wrote a flying Manta and, um, it's a really wide board. In fact, um, Scott's getting one made up, um, really wide board. And, um, it's kind of within the, uh, the threads of, uh, of a fish, but it's a, you know, squash tail, uh, five fin, you know, I've been really messing with fins, you know, um, you know, when, when you have stringerless boards, they really coil, and that's really where I'm heading with boards that generate a ton of speed. And like, this is a board that, like, when it came out with this model, I, I surfed it exclusively for two months. I couldn't get off of it because it was ping pong and all the way through the inside, and it was just so much fun. And and that's really been the feedback on this board. In fact, we've even gone to the the point where I did a skateboard with Carver as well, 
in the same model. Hmm. You know, kind of surf like you skate, skate like you surf. And it's been a really, really fun like transition between those two wow. things. So, so you know, um, that's what I've been. That's what I rode yesterday at the pier. Perfect. Are you attending the boardroom show in May? Um, I may. I may attend with Carver because I they're going to exhibit there and then actually you know showcase the, the Carver skateboard. Too. Nice. Uh, with them. I, I was Scott's first customer, let it be known. And so I've always been a huge supporter of what he does and uh, what he's about. Very cool. Yeah. No, wow. That's great. I appreciate Sean's loyalty and um, I'm, I'm excited about getting a new Manta. I got to admit, I'm, I'm sort of frothing. I was hoping it would be done today, but... You just ordered it two days ago. <laughs> well, I love you, know, you but... You, no, know, you know, I mean... You are. I can, I can hope. Yeah. yeah. In regard to the boardroom show, though, um, I remember watching uh, Daniel Thompson shape a board there at the last one, and Surfline just posted that feature with him about his surfboards that he's making. I thought that feature was fantastic. Like, I mean, the content's very interesting, it was good. It was but good. the way that they lay it out and um, the focus being shapers who surf really well. Yeah. You know, and I think well, that's, that's he, pretty cool. He's, Couple things. He's, Go ahead, he's, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, he's an incredible individual, yeah. you know, and uh, and he has kind of a heritage that follows him. And, um, you know, he's taking his own, you know, stab at it. And, you know, I'll let you do your comment, but I, I would like to share a little bit about the New Zealand trip I just had. You oh, know, yeah. Was, well, let me just say, I, um, I surfed with Daniel yesterday, and we wrapped out a little bit about the feature, and it was really good. And it had me looking at my son's... Tomo, which is five four, and I was gonna, I maybe I can, maybe, nah, maybe I can ride that thing, you know? Yeah. And um, it's a small little board, and I didn't try, but um, Daniel rips, as Sean said, and uh, one of the things that I wanted to bring up is that I'm in the, I've been in the process for a couple of months of creating an event where it's going to be a surfer shaper surfing contest challenge down at Seaside Reef, where we get the greatest shapers and the greatest surfers and they, they it's it's one shaper and one team rider so it's a two-man team and uh, we go at it like that and there's so many great shapers mm -hmm. and designers that surf that it could be pretty cool you know and i mean we've got sean here who's a world-class surfer sean could pick a guy um there's so many guys like michael barron's a great surfer there's yeah. um chris gallagher you mentioned tom chris christensen there, there's just a bunch of great guys yeah. that would that would be a lot of fun to have, and that's why I'm doing this. It's there's going to be a surfer shaper challenge uh, at Seaside, and like CT Taylor's a great example. He's yeah. another yeah. guy. There's so many guys. Um, Ryan Sakal. Sa mm -hmm. How do you say his last name? Sakal. Sakal. Ryan's a great surfer. Super good surfer. Great shaper. Yeah. And so there's a lot of great shapers that surf, and so we want to kind of take that and create some synergy and do an event. And I think there's the shapers in the surf community are really going to rally around that. I think it's a great concept. There's got to be a great name that you can come up with for that too, I feel like. SurferShaperChallenge.com. I've already reserved the website, so okay. that's all I can You can get up. a second, yeah, second we'll, we'll come up. We'll come up with something, but I just I've been like chewing on it. It's, you know, there's got to be a slam dunk you know, With any branding, there's this fine line between intuit. You know, it's got to be intuitive so that you can find it. You, know, you can't say, you know, call it, the, you know, Whatever, you know, asphalt grind. You're like, what does that mean? Well, to me and you, it means it's a really neat thing, but the masses you, you, don't understand you it. You also don't want it to be too generic, though, where there's no brand kind of recognition. Well, it kind know. of depends on what you're doing. Like, if, yeah. you're, if you're holding a swap meet, there's nothing like swapmeet.com. Yeah, yeah. You know what totally. I mean? But if you're doing some, like, 
uber groovy niche thing, then you, you, you kind of want to feed that audience that gets it. And if you don't get it, then you're not a part of that audience anyway. So there is this fine line for this. Look, it's a surfer shaper challenge. I've been, believe me, I've been playing yeah. with it. Like, yeah, what yeah. is it? It's a surfer shaper challenge. Yeah. You know, like, could there be a groovier name? Yeah, maybe, maybe we call it, I don't know, fins and who knows, you know what I mean? But yeah, not yeah, really, yeah. when you really think about it, it Fun is what it phone. is. It's the surfer yeah. shaper challenge, and it, yeah, yeah. it doesn't get much simpler than that. And to overthink it from a branding standpoint, believe me, I've tried. We'll accept your tweets though, if people want to tweet in ideas, right? Oh, for sure, I'd love any. Are you kidding? I, I thrive off of great ideas, and all of my great ideas aren't mine. They're somebody else's. This guy's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. That was my segue to pitch to the boardroom show, though, right? Hobie surfboards should be there. We were talking. No, about Hobie, Hobie doesn't have a booth. No, no, not yet. They were um, there well, last time, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I, you know what? I I need to reach out, but it's not a good time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that will be Mar May. Yeah, um, May seventeenth and eighteenth. Okay. Yeah, we've got the chunk of foam challenge. We've got the icons of foam honoring Ben Ipa. Those right. six shapers in that are um, Matt Calvani. Sky Richards, Davy Smith, Cordell Miller, um, Axel Lorenz from Europe, and Roger Hines. Right, right, right. So we've got a really solid lineup there. And then the Chunk of Foam Challenge is Chris Christensen, Matt Moore, Jeff Clark, and I'm toying with um, DHD, trying to get him over from Australia. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But it's going to be a ton of fun, and we've got a great music lineup, and... Um, Really excited about it. We'll be giving away surfboards and stuff. So that's May 17th and 18th, Delmar Fairgrounds. Sweet. Plug, 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 plug. Yeah, I've got a bunch of podcasts lined up to do, lined up to interview shapers and stuff that are going to be coming in for that. Cool. So I've got a lot of work. Mark Liddell to. will be there. That would be a, he would be a fun guy to interview. Okay. You know, one of the original IPA Stinger crew. Okay. And he's a shaper over in Hawaii and a super cool guy. Okay, cool. Mm. All right, dude. Cook and Duke or what? Oh, Sean wanted to talk about New Zealand. New Zealand, that's right. Yeah, I, I, you know, I just got back from New Zealand and. Um, what were you, you know, doing there? The fish well, fry, right? Yeah, well, that was one of the excuses I had. I, I needed to have a few excuses to go back to New Zealand again, and actually, that was one of the, you know, that the main. That was one I should have used. Yeah, <laughs> why not? I've used it before. You missed out. Yeah. We <laughs> but, went to the first uh, you know, fish Scott, fry in Australia. Scott and I, you know, we we did uh, some of the fish fries in Oceanside. And, uh, you know, we kind of kicked off what I think is really, you know, as an event, you know, uh, Bird and uh, the boys down in, uh, you know, San Diego and PB, you know, they did the original one, but more of a picnic style, you yeah. know, really get yeah, together. Yeah, the original one, if I might interrupt, because I want to give those guys their yeah, due. Yeah, absolutely. Skip Fry and Richard Kenvin. Reno Abelero. Those, Reno yep. um, and Bird. And that crew in San Diego, probably Pavel. Joe Roper. Roper, for sure. Yeah. Those guys would get together, bring their fishes down to the beach to surf, and then Joe would also grill fish and thus the fish fry. Yeah. Got and it. those are the guys that, that kicked it off and sort of, in one way or another, gave Sean and I um, at least their blessing to, yeah, you know what, do it in Oceanside. It's cool by us. And they showed yeah, up. Yeah, we, we, you know, when we did it, you know, Scott and I, by the way, you know, we got together at a little taco shop one day and we kind of kicked around the idea of doing it. Um, and then it became a reality and, and definitely not to steal anybody's thunder. You know, we, we uh, everybody came, you know, that was part of the original, um, of the original fry. But it was interesting, you know, when we had that, 
I had Grant Newby from Australia contact me and said, hey, I'd like to, I like the concept, I'd like to maybe do one in Australia. So he came over, visited, you know, and we had Daniel come down and Rostovich and all these guys come to another one that we had, you know, a consecutive one right after the first one. And um, then we, you know, we ended up going over to Australia to kick off uh, Grant's. And uh, the one that's in uh, New Zealand, you know, and by the way, Grant, you know, his first one was in 2007. So, um, you know, he's done it like seven or eight years. And uh, the guys, that Michael Cunningham and Roger Hall, um, some Kiwi guys, they, they decided to have one there in New Zealand. So I was thinking, I'm in. You know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I met a lot of great people there um, previous that I wanted to go visit. And, you know, I have a, a dealer um, ultimate surf shop in, um, in Auckland. So there was a lot of reasons to go over and, and, and do it. And so I went to the fish fry, but you know, the, the things that stood out to me, like I, like there was one guy, his name's Giles. He had a pile of these like Eddie Munster looking boards. Like they were just rejects, old battered, and he'd go and reshape them and tweak them. Like he had this one Brian Fredrickson sunset that he totally redid the tail with these six gnarly channels, but he put stringers in them, just a glassing nightmare. But you could tell like he was all about it because he was passionate about it. And, and then, you know, you contrast this with uh, the Kiwi guy, Roger Hall. Yeah. He had these hot curl boards, just like what you guys have out here on the floor, but right. modern ones. Yeah. I've you seen know? his stuff on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, you know, so, so when you have people like that that are passionate and you get them all together, that was really the idea of the fish fries is to get all the shapers and all the glassers and sanders and enthusiasts to get together to celebrate, you know, what everybody's doing and maybe walk away with an inspiration. And, and so it is just a get together. It's basically. a get together. There's yeah. no revenue involved. No, no. Wow. You just show up and, you know, you bring whatever you want to share and you can share or not share. And then out front usually is some kind of a good wave. I always had it at the harbor, you know, when we did ours because there's plenty of parking. Yeah. Lots of beach and there's always waves. Peaks up and down the yeah. beach. And, yeah. And I, I know when I wanted to do it, I wanted to see what everybody was doing and, and maybe grab a board or two and yeah. or seven or eight right. and, and ride them, yeah. you know? And that's what I did at this fish fry. And it was so cool because you would get all these old timers and you know, legends and glassers and, you know, and that really is the spirit. And, you know, to applaud uh, Scott Bass, you know, uh, that's kind of what he's doing. He's taking heritage and passion and, mm -hmm. you know, the that whole part and, you know, getting the public to come out. Yeah. And, uh, and to see this, which is usually off limits to most people. They don't see how boards are made and who's involved. Yeah, well, there's a couple of thoughts. Um, so much of the sur surfing experience is that parking lot ritual, you know, of showing up with a cup of coffee in the morning, chatting it up with the guys who you see regularly, and um, and then you end up surfing. But there's a lot of that involved. And the other thing is, like, in other sports, you don't have direct access to the key players, the, the mm -hmm. board, the manufacturers or the professionals. And so in surfing, we do have that, you know, you can go to the beach and surf with the guys you, you idolize. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really cool to kind of organize it occasionally once a year or however frequently it is and just do it. 
intentionally, you know, rather than just... You know, and, and, and sometimes there's a borderline where, where it becomes too commercial and, there is, you know, too, yeah. you know, and, you know, and I, I know when Bird and I uh, did it, Bird was running South Coast Wind and Sea, a shop, and then I was running Surf Ride at the time, you know, but I, I, I didn't, I, I never brought down a Surf Ride tent or any of that kind of stuff. It was um, all about really um, being a junkie, and that, and that's through and through, you know, through my whole experiences, um, you know, I love surfing and, you know, the, the, the characters that are involved and, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about the, the experience. Yeah. We're, uh, for listeners who want to learn more about the fish fry, is there a website that exists or where can they see footage? Or well, there like was, that? uh, it's, it's called the, the Cove fish fry and it's in, uh, Waipu so that, you know, obviously Google will pull up anything like that. Um, but, uh, I know that slide magazine posted something on there. Okay. Um, on their web but uh yeah it was a fun event you know and, and it's kind of neat that you know people take ownership to these kinds of things and that's why they're successful right yeah very cool all right you got um do you have a kook or duke or i do i have a i'll start with duke all right um who's your duke of the week duke kahanamoku uh the legendary the man duke um guy that we hold in high regard the highest regard and um, each week we have a Duke, and that's somebody that we hold in high regard for this week. So go ahead. Mine is Hurley for their contribution to the World Water Day. On March 22nd, Hurley partnered with John Rose's Waves for Water to coordinate the largest water relief effort in history. They sent five groups of clean water couriers to five different countries, and um, they did it with athletes and celebrities alike like uh, Rob Machado, Chris Amore, Connor Coffin, Rosario Dawson is an actress who is involved. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of times companies, there's profit motivation is part of this and um, marketing and exposure incentive, but I'm fully okay with that. I don't think our companies need to be exclusively altruistic. I think profit is arguably one of the greatest motivators for human beings. And so if Hurley um, directs some of that energy towards helping correct um, this kind of tragic scourge on humanity that we fully have the resources to solve, then bravo to them for, for helping contribute in that way. So that's why Hurley's my Duke of the Week. Tragic Scourge. That's the name of my new metal band. Nice. Like the Tragic Scourge. Go leashless. My Duke is uh, Kalani Rob. I cut him off yesterday, and um, he had the good nature to accept my apology in a sincere fashion. And, um, and so Kalani Rob, who's, who's, you could say that, you know, he's, he's been a salty character in the past. Um, but I thought it was cool that he was just like, dude, don't worry about it. You know? And so. You're dropping names left and right today, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Loud thuds all over the place. I'm not sure what you mean. That's my Duke, Kalani Rob. How am I dropping names? I cut him off. I was serving with Kalani Rob. Oh, and Dave Rostovich last week. And Tomo. Tomo. No oh, yeah, Dave Tomo was out read, too. Let me read. Daniel Tomo. Let me just say this. They were surfing at my spot. I didn't go hunt them down. They just happened to be out where okay. I was surfing. All right. Cool. I mean, not my spot. That's not a sort of self Well, you posted on Facebook that you were going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Anyway, I go the other way. I always tell people, yeah, I'll be at the Oceanside Pier. Yeah. <laughs> Never be there. Um, who's your kook? I don't have a kook. My kook's ASP, dude, for, okay. for what you brought up earlier. Oh, okay. Just that um, the policy, or they, 
put out, uh, what is it, a job posting yeah. that they wanted, um, what was it? An intern to photograph or to be on... The, Social media to intern? Be, I thought it was to be on the camera That's right. for the event at Margaret River. Camera operator. And you get lunch. They were going to pay you in lunch. That's what they were going to do. Correct. But now, I, as I looked into that, that's not so much, although the ASP should take the brunt of the, of the drama on this. Yeah. It was really one of the guys that the ASP hired to produce the event. Mm -hmm. He went out and said, hey, yeah. well, if you'll work for free, I'll feed you. Exactly. And you get to film these guys. Yeah, and you get experience as a professional and, camera. Oh, operator. by the way, it's an ASP WCT yeah. event. You yeah, know? yeah, And yeah. so the ASP really didn't put that out there. I the agree. guy they hired put that out there. and. It, totally. Believe me, I'm sure he got an earful from... Who's yeah. our guy at the ASP again? What's that guy's Proden. name? Proden. No, no, no. The, the main guy. Um, oh, Speaker. Yeah, Paul Speaker. Paul Speaker. Yeah. Cool. Must-see moment? Uh, you know, my must-watch uh, TV is... I would urge you to go to the Billabong XXL and check out the Ride of the Year nominees and all of the nominees. That's coming up here in the beginning of May, the awards for that. And Bill Sharp has just put out um, sort of the... The, the, the boiled down versions of the nominees for Ride of the Year, Paddling of the Year. I checked out the Ride of the Year thing today. It's pretty neat. You know, there's five, nom six nominees, and it goes through those rides. And um, it's good fun, good fodder. And uh, who Who's your pick right now? I think Greg Long. Greg Long, there's there's Sean, there's uh, Shane Dorian, there's um, Ian Walsh, or Sean Walsh. There's the other guy. Who's the other Maui kid that rips? Um, Matt Miola, Albie Lair, no, Gage O'Connell, no, Hong. Uh, keep going. You, Hank. No, but you're getting closer. Gaskell. Um, was the other Kai guy. Barger. No, but anyway. Clay Marzo. No. Wow. <laughs> you ain't them all except the guy. Should I go back in Billy history? Kemper. Oh, that, that guy. Mm. So Billy Kemper, uh, Shane Dorian, Sean Walsh, um, a couple of others, Greg Long. And most of them are at Jaws. But um, the one that I thought was pretty fascinating was Greg Long at Puerto Escondido, where he just takes this huge bombing left, pulls into the barrel, gets a long barrel, gets spit out. He's on like, you know, a 10-foot Backside. Backside. It's, it's heavy. It's one of those days where you catch one wave in four hours, yeah, you yeah. know. And um, just looks a little gnarlier. You know, Jaws, is, Jaws on a paddling day, so I'm sure it's heavy, but it's it's... Not quite as frothy, and I don't know. They're all it's all gnarly. I can't say the jaws isn't gnarly, but I just felt like that r ride took <clears throat> a little bit more, um, a little bit more uh, calculation, yeah, calculation and, and just technique and everything, you know. Yeah, these guys at jaws are paddling in and they're just kind of riding the bull and then pulling up into the barrel and coming out. But Greg Long had to just, you know, like, like it's thick, meaty, chandeliery, brown water, poured of overcast, slightly onshore, you know, all the... Sweet. It wasn't quite as pretty. I haven't seen it, but I'll post it on my yeah. website and yours. Bill Bong, Double XL yeah. Ride of the Year nominee. Okay, cool. My must-see moment was just released, I think, uh, about 30 hours ago. Morgan Mawson, the photographer, works for Quicksilver. He worked for Surfer for a while. Uh, he also makes films... And he just released an edit that he's calling Water. I'm going to play it for Scott and Sean to take a peek at. This is going to make some really bad radio. No, but I'm going to talk it. about it while you guys watch. Um, what color is the water? Blue. <laughs> so Morgan Mawson, basically, he shot this whole thing on the red Epic camera, yeah. which is amazing. And it's primarily underwater just water photography and there's occasionally a surfer that's either duck diving or cruising by in a barrel mm -hmm. and it's shot in Tahiti and Hawaii so beautiful water over multiple trips 
Um, does a lot of these shots where it's like underwater, but then transitions above water. So you see kind of the mountains in Tahiti in the background. And just because of the quality of the camera, you see water droplets that you normally don't see. Like everything's in higher definition and super slow mode. A couple spinning barrel shots, spitting at the camera and just really beautiful, beautiful imagery. It is a, imagine you're getting a massage and the soundtrack that's playing, this is the visuals that would accompany that soundtrack. You know? Right, and you're like handing me like eucalyptus water and stuff. Exactly. And there's like warm. Make sure to hydrate, Scott. Right, and yeah, <laughs> I'm in a nice comfy cotton robe and everything. Exactly. Yeah. So it's that, but so, tailored specifically for surfers as well because uh, it's guys getting spit out of bed. You know, this is a, a real movie, a, a mood, mood, you know, enticing, you know, where you kind of want to, you know, I contrast this to the footage that they had from Tahiti on uh, Code Red. Yes. When they did that uh, little <clears throat> remote control. Drone. Drone. You know, it, it, too polarizing. Totally. You know, this is, you know, oh, you know, I want to go on vacation yeah, you know, well, when you watch this. Well, I think so much surf video content that we get now is surf porn, you know, and it's hard and it's fast. And this is kind of the antithesis of that. It's not intending to be that even. This relates to... Uh, People who don't even like surfing would watch this and enjoy yeah. this. So it's four minutes long. I'll post it. Surfsplendorpodcast.com. Check it out. Cool. cool. Morgan Mawson's Water. All right. Well, Sean, thanks for joining us. We appreciate uh, Sean Madison being here. Vonsoulsurfboards.com. What is it? Vonsoul.com? Vonsoul.com. Vonsoul. How do you spell that? V-O-N-S-O-L. V-O-N-S-O-L.com. Check out Sean's surfboards. And uh, David, surfsplendorpodcast.com, where you can get this and a host of other interviews that David does, so it's a great resource for more in-depth interviews with personalities in the sport. Yeah, speaking of Hobie, last week's interview was with um, Josh Martin, and I intercut a lot of Terry Martin's audio from an old interview that he did, and he talks a lot about the Hobie legacy and their involvement with Hobie, but also about board design, you know, hot curls and stuff, and so that's been a great episode that's been well-received, so check that out. Cool, and then mindownthelineradio.com. You can check out this podcast there, and the, the visuals that we talk about on this show will be there for you to check out as well. And uh, I guess until next time, adios and aloha. And that's it for Surf News. Thank you to Sean Madison for sitting in with Scott and I and breaking up the monotony. Uh, Scott Bast, thank you for hosting. Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, thank you for allowing us to utilize your space as our home studio. All right. And uh, thank you to the listener for always tuning in. If you listen to this show in iTunes or Stitcher, please make sure to rate and review the show. That helps other people to find the show, and it really helps the show grow. And I know we've gotten a number of recent um, ratings and reviews in the last week since our last show, so thanks for those. Um, And then, as always, just share the show. You are our only form of advertising, so we just want the show to grow organically, as it has been, and continue to do so. So thank you for just sharing. And uh, until next time, This is David Scales for Surf Splendor saying, Mahalo.